I did not get the part of Ebenezer Scrooge in the school musical the year I was in sixth grade. No, that went to my best friend, John Barber, the son of the local congregational minister. I was one of two portly gentlemen who come to Scrooge's counting house asking for a donation to help the poor. Scrooge tells them to get lost. That was my acting career. No, your voice isn't good enough for this part, and get lost. I did, however, illustrate the program cover. My drawing of the ghost of Christmas yet to come, pointing out Scrooge's name in the tombstone, was on the cover of the playbill. So I did have a big part in some way in the show. And I've been enthralled with this story ever since. British Unitarian Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol in Prose, has been a favorite and a popular tale since its publication, 1843. I believe we continue to be drawn to the story not for its sentiment, nostalgia, or the feeling of Christmas cheer it evokes with its happy ending, but because we connect on an intimate and visceral level with the central character. All of us can relate to being Ebenezer Scrooge. Throughout A Christmas Carol, we follow a man who has lost his way and lost himself, as he finds himself again. This is a deeply religious text, and that religion is chiefly the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and who we should be. Yes, it's a Christmas story, but like any good religious story, it is as much about the journey as the destination. Scrooge's story is a story of a man who learns to see his life as a story and that it is quite indeed possible to change the ending. It's a story of inner transformation from inner turmoil to inner peace, from darkness to light. Scrooge is a man deeply troubled, certainly not at peace with himself. He needs to find that inner light, and Dickens is a master storyteller and fills the tale with images of light to help lead Scrooge and us out of what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul. At every major turn in the story, the symbol of light and or darkness is prominent. The story opens in Scrooge's dim counting house. Dickens tells us Scrooge had a small fire and the clerk's fire was even smaller. Scrooge's nephew Fred arrives, invites his uncle to Christmas dinner, and Scrooge tells him, you know, no, bah humbug. And then when Fred leaves, Bob Cratchit pokes at the fire and the last ember goes out as Fred departs. Scrooge then goes home to his dark chambers, and we learn that darkness was cheap, and Scrooge liked it. Scrooge again has a meager fire in his room, but the light in the fire leaps up when Marley's ghost enters. It tells us Marley and the ghost will be the vehicle for light and enlightenment. The ghost of Christmas past appears, outside Scrooge's bed, and peels the dark curtain of the, the bed back. Scrooge looks into the darkness and sees a spirit whose appearance was strange, but strangest of all was that from the crown of its head sprung a bright, clear jet of light. The ghost carries a cap in the form of a great candle extinguisher. When the story of his past gets too much and Scrooge cannot take it anymore, he slams the extinguisher cap on the ghost's head and it vanishes. Scrooge wakes in his bed at the appointed hour for the next spirit. Fifteen minutes go by, nothing happens. Scrooge notices that he's in a spotlight of sorts, that his bed was the very core and center of a blaze of ruddy light, which streamed upon it when the clock proclaimed the hour, and which, being only light, 
was more alarming than a dozen ghosts. The ghost of Christmas present is in the parlor, which is filled to the brim with food and holly and ivy. In the fireplace, such a mighty blaze went whirring up the chimney as that dull protraction of a hearth has never known in Scrooge's time. The bearded giant of a ghost in a green robe bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn, held it up, high up, to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the door. During his travels with the ghost of Christmas present, Scrooge watches the, the spirit sprinkle light from this torch on people and food. When he does so, people regain their good humor and the food gets a special flavor. Scrooge asks if the flavor applies to any dinner, and the spirit says to any kindly given and to a poor one most. When Scrooge asks why a poor one most, he's told, because a poor one needs it most. The ghost of Christmas present takes Scrooge to the Cratchits and sprinkles the door with light. Bob's son Peter blows on the fire and it leaps up. Then Scrooge and the spirit walk the streets of London, aglow with fires and hearths and kitchens. They visit miners gathered round a fire, and they visit a light house. And then to Scrooge's nephew's house with a party in a bright, gleaming room. It is always darkest before the dawn. The ghost of Christmas yet to come is a shadow. All the light is now gone. The spirit seemed to scatter gloom and mystery, and it is described as one giant heap of black. The word dark is peppered throughout this chapter of the story. When Scrooge and the spirit stand in the dark, Scrooge's room is dark, and then a glimmer of hope is thrown in. Yes, Tiny Tim is dead in this future, but the Cratchit's home is still lighted cheerfully. Scrooge sees his name on the gravestone. He finally breaks, learns his lesson, and the darkness vanishes, and he wakes. Scrooge runs around the room like a crazy person, giddy in the extreme. He hears church bells, runs to his window, opens it, sticks his head out, and the weather is not frightful. No fog, no mist, clear, bright, jovial, stirring cold. And glorious sunlight, heavenly sky, sweet fresh air, merry bells, oh glorious, glorious. The spirits did it all in one night, and you know the rest. If only it were that easy in real life. What you may not know is the story of another spiritual enlightenment that is celebrated annually at this time of year. Bodhi Day, December 8th, the celebration of the enlightenment of Siddhartha Gautama, the historical Buddha. Siddhartha was a rich prince who could no longer accept his life of privilege while so many suffered so much. So he became an ascetic, practicing severe discipline of renunciation of worldly goods and pleasures. And after years of spiritual searching as a poor beggar, he realizes that the extreme of renunciation is as ridiculous as the extreme of wasteful wealth and overindulgence. Finally, exhausted, he stops begging, accepts a bowl of rice and milk, bathes himself in the river. Making his way to Bodh Gaya, he sits under a Bodhi tree, a fig tree, Ficus religiosa, and meditates through the night on the Dharmakaya, the absolute basis of all reality. And his story is not unlike Scrooge's. The story casts the night of meditation as a battle with Mara, the most powerful of all demons, the Destroyer. The Destroyer summons a host of demons to attack Siddhartha, and they throw weapons and 
fire at him. And through meditation, Siddhartha turns them to flowers. Mara tempts him with beautiful women, but he meditates through the temptation. And during the three watches of the night, he has three enlightenments and gains the three knowledges. During the first night watch, he experiences and comes to know the cycle of rebirth and reincarnation and all his past lives. He gains release from samsara, the cycle of death and rebirth, wherein we are always creating new worlds to distract us from the suffering. Scrooge comes to terms with his past and Buddha with his past lives. During the second night watch, he learns karma. Karma means action. The law of karma means our actions are our only true possessions. Karma is not a law of results and you know, what goes around comes around, but rather how all one's actions make one who one is and the importance of right living and living in the present moment. Marley explains to Scrooge all too well how avarice and charity reinforce themselves in us. During the third night watch, Siddhartha learns the Dharma, the real nature of all phenomena, of all things. He learns the Four Noble Truths. The world contains much suffering. The cause of suffering is desire and ignorance. The reality of nirvana or release from suffering, literally a state of no wind, is possible. It is possible to end the attachments to passing things and the endless cycle of death and rebirth can be halted. The method of release from suffering, the Eightfold Path, right understanding, right thought, right livelihood, right speech, right action, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. This is the noble truth about how to live, how to deal with suffering, ignorance, desire. When the morning sun rises, Siddhartha has become the Buddha, one who has gained wisdom, one who is awake, the enlightened, just like Scrooge. Scrooge and Buddha have a number of similarities, similarities they share with you and me. Neither is perfect. Scrooge's imperfection is very obvious. He's tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, mean and stingy and cold, odious, as Mrs. Cratchit notes. The Buddha is also imperfect. Part of his story that's usually left out is how he abandons his wife and children to go on some midlife crisis spiritual quest. He just takes off on his family. Not a very holy thing to do. Not right living. Both fail miserably, Scrooge and Buddha, at what they set out to do. Siddhartha fails at being an aesthetic monk. He can't take the self-abnegation and the denial. The extreme discipline. Scrooge is a failure at business. Riches he has, but as Miley tells him, humanity should have been his business. Even though they both fail on a grand scale, they are not failures. Both are revered now for the example they've given us about how to be human and what it means to succeed at being human. Both Scrooge and the Buddha go through a struggle with internal demons. Buddha struggles with Mara, the destroyer. And Scrooge, Marley's ghost, and the ghost of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. For both of them, the struggle is darkest before the dawn. Both become awake and find their answers in themselves after having passed through the darkness. Neither is at peace until they go through the difficulty of facing their own inner demons. 
They remind us that our greatest enemy and the obstacle we truly have to conquer is frequently just ourselves. They teach us we cannot run from our pain and that light and peace rarely come without traveling through some darkness and turmoil. Both realize how their own ignorance is dangerous and how dangerous ignorance is in and of itself. Buddha warns us to be aware of the ignorance of what really is, pretending what really is isn't there, refusing to accept what we do know. In Scrooge, well, the power of ignorance is shown to him by the ghost of Christmas present. This is a part of the story that's often left out of stage and screen versions. It's the end of stage three, just before the ghost of Christmas present departs. Forgive me if I am not justified in what I ask, said Scrooge, looking intently at the spirit's robe, but I see something strange, not belonging to yourself, protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or a claw? It might be a claw, for the flesh there is on it, was the spirit's sorrowful reply. From the folding of its robe, it brought two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. Oh, man, look here, look, look down here, exclaimed the ghost. They were a boy and a girl, yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate, too, in their humility. Where graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its precious tints, a stale and shriveled hand like that of old age had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds, where angels might have sat and thrown devil's lurk and glared out menacing. No change, no degradation, no perversion of humanity in any grave through all the mysteries of wonderful creation has monsters half so horrible and dread. Scrooge started back appalled, having them shown to him in this way. He tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves rather than be parties to a lie of such enormous magnitude. Spirit, are they yours? Scrooge could say no more. They are men, said the spirit, looking down upon them, and they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance, this girl is want. Beware them both in all their degree, but most of all beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Deny it, cried the spirit, stretching out its hand toward the city. Slander those who tell it you. Admit it for your factious purposes, and make it worse, and abide the end. Both Scrooge and the Buddha call us to be more present to the present moment. Neither riches nor holiness is found in anything but the commonplace of life, the breathing, the walking, the eating, the conversation, the family, the community meal. Buddha calls us to sit and breathe and be aware of the right now. Scrooge is reminded that the simple things of life are love and worth more than money, and they are always at hand. Being awake to the present moment is difficult. Our minds are easily distracted by brightly colored holiday lights, the sports page, the television, just about anything really except what's right here in front of us right now. Gary Snyder speaks of this in The Practice of the Wild. He says, all of us are apprenticed to the same teacher that the religious institutions originally worked with, reality. Reality Insight says, master the 24 hours, do it well, without self-pity. It is as hard to get the children herded to the carpool and down the road to the bus as it is to chant sutras in the Buddha hall on a cold morning. One move is not better than the other. Each can be quite boring, and both have the virtuous quality of repetition. 
repetition and ritual, and their good results come in many forms. Changing the filter, wiping noses, going to meetings, picking up the house, washing dishes, checking the dipstick in the car. Don't let yourself think these are distracting you from more, from more serious pursuits. Such a round of chores is not a set of difficulties we hope to escape from, so we may do our practice, which will put us on the right path. It is our path. And as our path gets filled with holiday errands and planning meals and visiting relatives, we must remember to be present to it, to be awake, and to make time to sit and just be and just breathe and observe the inner life. Both Scrooge and Siddhartha are bodhisattvas. Both are people who have gained wisdom and reached nirvana, but instead of dwelling in nirvana, they remain to teach others. Instead of remaining in nirvana, the Buddha becomes the first bodhisattva. He decides to teach others what he's learned, and he establishes monasteries and passes the teaching on. And as for Scrooge, well, he became like a second father to Tiny Tim. And as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that also be truly said of us. God bless us, everyone. <laughs>